All right. What's going on, friends and family? Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to Every Day is a Saturday with me, myself, and I, Brian Roo. Hey, guys. If you guys uh, are watching me for the first time or maybe even listening to me the first time, if you have another check, uh, chance to go check me out, go back and listen to the other episodes. You can go do that on Spotify, uh, Anchor, um, let's see, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much all the things. And if you guys want to watch me, you guys can watch me also on YouTube. If you had a chance to go over there, go check me out and subscribe. And if you're watching me for the first time and on YouTube, you guys can understand that I just started off as an audio uh, podcast. Now I'm starting to go video for the very first time. So please bear with me. I'm also in the transitioning of moving. I'm moving actually this week as we speak. So um, the background and stuff like this you see right now is just uh, temporary and it will be uh, different soon. I thank you guys so much for bearing with me. Trust me, it, uh, I'm new to this whole world and I'm just going to try to get better as we go. I've got myself equipment now. So that's a start. And so I just got to get better with how to edit the videos and how to download the videos and things like that. So I will learn in due time and things like I said, will get better. Um, appreciate you guys so much. And if you guys are tuning in for the first time, we always do a body, uh, buddy check before we get into our episode. So stay tuned for the buddy check. All right. It's buddy check time. Let's go ahead and do a little checkup and see how everybody's doing. Hope you guys are doing all right, having a great week, great um, you know month, whatever you may be at when you're listening to this episode. Um, I take uh, mental health pretty serious. I know everybody has their struggles, and you know sometimes it's uh, not easy to talk about what you're struggling with. You know because it's just hard to talk to people. Sometimes you don't feel like you can trust them. I totally understand. But listen, you're not alone. There's definitely, you know, places you can call or reach out to. Uh, the number is 988 and you press one and hopefully I'll put you in touch with someone that can help you, you know, get out of that mindset you might be, you know, struggling with or something you may be dealing with, uh, whatever uh, walk you might be in your life. But hey, don't be afraid and ashamed to reach out and talk to someone, even if it's like your closest friends. You know, and especially for you veterans out there, don't be afraid to reach out to your buddies. Hey, I'm here too. Um, shoot me an email. I, you know, just if you need someone to talk to, you need an ear, whatever, just reach out. Don't be afraid. And like I said, if you are afraid and you want to keep it, you know, discreet and you don't really want to talk to someone you know, reach out to this that number I gave you, 988. Or you can text it. It's uh, 838255. Again, that's 838255. Don't be afraid to reach out and text, you know, if you have to. Let's go. All right, friends and fam, let's go ahead and get into this. This is episode 13, Life as a Marine after 9-11-2001. All right, guys, so where I left off, it was basically, you know, um, we hit 9-11-2001. I gave you guys kind of a rundown of where I was at. And what kind of happened to me that day. Um, if you guys haven't had the chance, like I said, to go check it out, you guys can go check that out on uh, Spotify, Anchor, um, iHeart, all those you know uh, platforms where they play the podcast um, on audio. 
if you guys are tuning in, like I said, for the first time and you want to start seeing me now, you guys can check me out on YouTube. And now I will be doing both audio and video. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into this. All right. So I was in Supply Battalion um, at when 9-11 hit and, um, you know, life on the base as a Marine, it changed drastically uh, from the you know, just coming in on the base to, you know, even leaving uh, when we first uh, happened. We kind of had to check in and check out with our NCOs and staff NCOs. If we were leaving anywhere, they really wanted to keep uh, a close, you know, eye on us and stuff like that. It's it's kind of crazy because um, I didn't even deploy, you know, until like two years after 2001. It was just a lot of, you know, when the whole 9-11 thing happened it was a lot of just prepping and preparing for you know getting ready to go to war we we changed from being in a peaceful time marines to now we're getting ready for combat so things in the mission definitely changed and things were different um like you know playing football i got i was uh, playing on the football team we no longer got to play on the football team anymore they can't that that kind of sucked um, but they they would re-resume that eventually. Um, but what else? Um, we still played a lot of games. It, being in Supply Battalion, that was a very rough unit for my very first unit. It was quite a humbling experience. And I think every place that I would go to afterwards, I was pretty much appreciative of it. So I guess in some ways it might have been a good place to go but it also did put a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth um because man the games that we would play um and if you guys listen to some of the interviews i just had a, a, a staff sergeant on staff sergeant jay manley um if you guys listen to his story he will also contest that um, supply battalion storage was definitely a rough um unit to be in and everybody that was in it was trying to get out so and if you got stuck there, it was it was pretty rough because it was very top heavy. And when I say top heavy, that means the you know the rank, everybody's rank and stuff like that was pretty high. There was a lot of master sergeants, a lot of gunnery sergeants, staff NCOs w were very heavy in supply battalion, which you know that always made things kind of rough. Um, I ended up getting pretty fortunate myself and uh, one of my best buds, um, Ojeda. Um, we were, uh, lance corporals and, um, we were kind of getting in good with our, um, staff and CO, um, staff Sergeant Brown. He was a really good guy. Um, he was pretty cool with us. Um, he, I got hooked up and I got put on, um, uh, exercise with that actual staff Sergeant, staff Sergeant Manley. Um, I got to go on the Pearl Harbor. It was an amphibious landing, and we had to set up a rear area support type exercise. Um, it was really cool getting to life, you know, live on a, a boat for a little bit. It was like two weeks, but um, I definitely, <laughs> it was quite the experience. I got a good couple of stories about uh, being on the Pearl Harbor, which was uh, based out of uh, Coronado Bay in San Diego. Um, now, <laughs> it's a huge ship first time ever being on a ship they had all the decks colored by different um you know colors by where you can go like the blue deck was for the navy guys 
the red deck was for the Marines only. And then there was like a green deck, which was a neutral area, which were like um, the cafeteria area, uh, maybe even like the gym or something like that. But just a neutral area where everybody could go. But Marines were not allowed to go in the blue deck area whatsoever, not allowed. So um, <laughs> we tried our best to stay out of there. Now, the ship was huge. Like I said, it was a huge ship. It, you know, people lived on that ship um, in the birthing area. They called it the birthing areas and stuff like that. Um, it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> there was a time where we went on a little venture, me and a couple of my buddies, you know, we would try to go out, smoke cigarettes or whatever out on the, we can go out on the outside and go smoke cigarettes. That was one way to get outside. Um, or sometimes we just like mess around and venture out and kind of go throughout the ship. Well, one time we're venturing around the ship and uh, <laughs> we find ourselves in the women's birthing area. And um, we turn around. I'm I'm kind of in front of, I think, the two other buddies that I'm with. There might have been even one other guy. I think he might have been in front of me. And I can tell as soon as he rounded the corner and I rounded the corner and probably around the same time he did, but we just sit there and we're like, oh, shit, man. I mean, you just like, <laughs> you could tell like, oh, my gosh, we're in the women's area. There's chicks and they're half naked. Um, you know, and just like looking at us and we just take off running, you know, we're running through this ship and my buddy Navarro, man, that dude smacks his head on the lip because on a ship, you know, the little passageways or the doorways were like, they had a lip on the bottom and a lip on the top of them. So you kind of had to like duck through them to get through them. And my gosh, dude smacks his head. He comes up on top of it. Boom. Hits his head on the damn uh, lip and uh, starts bleeding and he's just dripping and it's coming down his face. I'm like, oh my gosh, bro. Now we got to go take him to the infirmary, which now we got a, a, a story and explanation. But I mean, in, in some sense, it wasn't like that hard. Like, hey, he just bumped his head being an idiot um, walking through the ship. But uh, uh, yeah, so anyways, he ended up having to go to the infirmary and he got himself several stitches right on the top of his head. Dude was uh, not feeling good for a while, and he was already struggling on the ship. He didn't have very good sea legs. I mean, he was sick most of the time I could remember. And, I mean, I got kind of sick, too, because the very first time they were on the ship, you know, and they they dock off, and everybody's like, yeah, that's cool. Well, once they kind of get to a level of you don't, you can't see anything anymore, my gosh, I got sick as shit. Well, I started feeling sick as shit. We all go down to the bottom of the ship. And uh, they get us in a formation, and, oh, my gosh, you could just start seeing dudes. They're just sitting there getting sick. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't do well when I see other people get sick, you know. So I'm seeing these dudes get sick, and I'm like, oh, shit, now I'm starting to feel kind of sick. So I'm watching guys just puking over the side and on just the deck, and I'm like, I'm trying not to lose it myself. Well, lucky for me, I didn't get super sick. I hate throwing up, so I will do everything in my damn best to not throw up. So uh, I didn't throw up. I, you know, I went to the docks, and I was living on Dramamine. I mean, I, I, Dramamine was my best friend. It was like, hey, man, 
doc i need dramamine and it was like i would go there every whatever the thing was like i think it was like every six hours or something it's like man dude i really need these things and i lived on them damn things until i think i got off that ship you know but being on a ship is rough um especially even at night like you're sleeping kind of in a coffin type situation and i'm sure some of you navy guys think i'm a wuss but hey it's not for everybody and i don't think our accommodations as marines are quite as accommodating as it probably was for you navy guys just just throwing that out there <laughs> but we had to like sit there and hook ourselves into these coffin type beds um i couldn't imagine my big ass now trying to sleep in one of these um, little ass coffin beds but uh i would you know <laughs> be in this damn thing and at nighttime we're sitting there rocking and you can if you did not secure things at night like your chair your uh table and things of that nature man it would just be sitting there rocking about like just psh, psh, you know and some like oh man get up man go fucking secure the the table and chairs and you know you have to sit there and get up and some guys just wouldn't do it because i mean i ain't gonna lie that thing would be almost going side to side and you would just be like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but um it was only kind of at night that we really kind of hit those rough seas it was uh quite interesting being on a huge ship a lot of fun i don't think it was for me uh two weeks was quite long enough i don't even think we were on the ship two weeks to be honest with you i think we were on the ship maybe a week to 10 to 10 days something like that i'm not sure then what we did is we got on these things called lcax we did an amphibious landing and then we set up like a whole uh rear area support um thing we did fighting holes and at night times we would do convoys and stuff like that i remember doing a convoy actually i want to say it was uh my 20th birthday yeah i was uh my 20th birthday and we were doing uh watch and i mean these exercises that we're doing watch we're like literally watching just the uh, field you know what i mean it's it's kind of boring but it's necessary i guess but anyhow um on my birthday i spent most of my birthdays i would say doing something i did spend like i think my 19th birthday in boot camp 20th birthday was on uh that colonel blitz 21st birthday was i think the only birthday that i got fortunate enough and uh didn't celebrate it in the marine uh like doing something drastic uh my 22nd birthday i was deployed over to uh kuwait in the middle east so yeah um you don't really get a birthday in the military so don't go in there thinking oh my birthday's on this day and i'm gonna you know no no if they wanted you to have a birthday they would have issued you one <laughs> nah i'm just kidding it's not that crazy but it is kind of crazy um what else I don't know the the ship life i like i said not for me um that's the only time in my marine career that i ever went on a ship um, when i went over to the middle east i flew on a commercial airline because um, i was an early party a lot of the guys that went over there flew over in a c-130 um, and if you have experience talking to anybody that's ever been in a c-130 it's not quite pleasant but anyhow let's get on to the next thing all right so earlier i had mentioned that i um made good friends kind of with a staff and ceo 
um, in supply battalion. He literally was probably the best FNCO I have ever met in my career as a Marine. Um, he was a really good guy. Uh, you know, a lot of staff and COs, they're not willing to kind of be friends with uh, the lower ranking guys. Um, this guy, he was kind of cool with uh, me and my buddy Ojeda. He would let us come over to his house, shoot some pool. He had keg over there, let us drink out of his keg. Really cool guy. Well, and, you know, kind of paid off, end up being friends with him because there came this point in time where this gunnery sergeant uh, from the I believe it's the Del Mar 24 area is what they would call it. Uh, came looking for us. And this area is located right by the beach. Now, when you come in base, you look off to the left, you'll see like um, boxes and stuff like that. And you kind of see the beach. You know, I was right there, right there in the warehouse, man. That's where we worked. And my barracks were really close to the beach as well. Well, anyways, this gunnery sergeant came looking for, he needed two uh, Marines to come to his uh, unit. And so, uh, being good buddies with that staff sergeant, he knew that, you know, being in supply battalion was kind of a, a shitty situation. So he definitely helped us get out of that situation by letting us go to, um, MHG supply. Now there's, you know, in each unit you're going to have your pros and your cons. So, I mean, in some ways it was better going to that unit but in other there was like a you know like i said you give you give you take whatever i was glad to honestly get out supply battalion um the barracks life over in the mhg area what a different world it was like in terms of their field days and the way they live it, there were in older barracks as well you know at supply battalion they had the new barracks so they were super fucking crazy about uh you know, keeping those things spick and span and like they would stay brand new forever. Um, but at MHG, they didn't care so much about that stuff. But what they did care about is is going on humps with the 70-pound packs. And they like to do that um, about every third week um, and go through these crazy-ass mountains and, and shit like that. But, I mean, honestly, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was just killer. Um and if you fucking fell out of any of those type of things, they had like a whole remedial type of program where you, instead of going to lunch, you would go work out like with a, you know, a staff and CO or something like that. And the fucking staff and CO obviously is not going to be exactly thrilled that you're there. So it always behoove you to never fucking fall out of any of these humps, uh, no matter how hard and shit it was. So, uh, you know, in the Marine Corps, it wasn't uh, very... It wasn't very um, out of the ordinary where dudes would be completely fucking hungover or even still probably drunk from the night prior and still go on these humps. And you could just see the fucking sweat and the, the, the smells and the aromas coming off these dudes. And some of these fuckers are just, you know, throwing up. You guys remember those days. I know, and especially even on the PT days. Same thing, man. It wouldn't have fucking ever, you know, fell where... Some dudes over there yakking on the side because he overdid it the night before. But uh, anyways, MHG um, was a lot better of a unit. Um, it was kind of a different uh, pill than what I was kind of used to. It was um, dealing with a bigger, bigger uh, equipment over at uh, MHG. I mean, uh, Supply Battalion. I dealt with small parts like nuts, bolts, things like that. And 
gosh damn, those wall-to-walls were horrendous to do over there. And um, at MHG, it was dealing with, uh, like, GP tents, um, just bigger bulk items. And it was more stuff that's for the actual grunts. So um, with Supply Battalion, they weren't necessarily considered a grunt unit. Um, MHG, we ended up being tied to a grunt unit. So our main support was supporting the frontline front line Marines. So we had all the equipment, like even when it came to um, uniforms and stuff like that, extra boots, all those type of things, tents, you know, the need for the frontline fighters. That's what uh, MHG supply was uh, for. Now, when I first get there, um, I'm new. Me and Ojeda are new. There's not a lot of guys in this unit. I was used to uh, a way bigger unit. Supply battalion was huge. Um, at MHG, they were a lot smaller. Uh, wasn't many as many Marines there. Uh, so it made that kind of a, you know, a different thing that I was used to. Um, but a lot of my job when I first got there was, uh, painting boxes. I mean, these big ass, uh, boxes that would eventually be, um, what we would end up loading up in some big ass, uh, 20 foot containers to, uh, ship these off for, um, when we hit the whole operation Iraqi freedom in 2003. Um, but I would basically go to, uh, work every day wearing coveralls and, uh, me and my buddy Ojeda were out a lot together and um, we would just be out there fucking painting these boxes. You know, they get us a paint gun and shit. And we had to put all these little numbers on there because um, all the numbers meant something when it came to logistics and, um, you know, uh, when we would push off and stuff like that, there was all these numbers that needed to be on the boxes. So um, a lot of times, man, we got fucking bored and <laughs> we would make, all kinds of different games out of stuff. Like we would get the wrapping paper things, make little ball tapes and stuff like that. And we'd just be sitting there shooting and, and seeing how far we can make things. We even made, <laughs> I know, oh, hey, if you see this, bro, you're going to laugh your ass off. But when we made our fucking tape football, man, we'd be sitting there just doing all these quarterback uh, competitions. Just, you know, trying to make the fucking best out of sitting there painting boxes all day. It would be super boring. Um, we had other, you know, guys that would be doing other things. And so once in a while we'd get them involved. And there would be even times where we'd do uh, home run competitions where we'd take like a broken stick from one of the GP tents and, uh, you know, with a tape ball and just be sitting there cracking that thing and stuff like that. Whoops. But, uh, man, we had a lot of fun um, <laughs> being bored. And uh, trying to navigate staying out of trouble because, of course, they would always come back there and check on us once in a while. So we definitely had to make sure we had lookouts and, you know, we were watching out what the hell we were doing. But it was a lot of fun uh, making the best out of a shitty situation. And that's what, you know, that's what sometimes being in the Marine Corps makes it so fun is even though you're in a shitty situation or you're doing something shitty, you're at least doing it with, you know, guys and girls to your left and to your right, and they're going through the same shit that you are. So when I'm over at uh, MEF headquarters group, which is also MHG, it's around the 2002 time frame. 
I spent about two thousand. I mean, uh, two years over at uh, Supply Battalion, and I did about two years over with MHG Supply. So it was around the two thousand two time frame. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, do a couple more stories, and then I'll cut it off before I actually deployed over to the Middle East, and I'll keep you guys waiting for that. But anyhow, um, I got to uh, when I got to MHG. I ended up getting to uh, play football again. I got approached by uh, uh, a coach from a different uh, unit. He invited me to come out and play. Um, since MHG didn't have a team, I was able to go play with them, and I was super ecstatic. I was like, hell yeah, man, back to playing football again. I absolutely love uh, playing football in the Marine Corps because uh, I kind of got to get a break away from the normal normalcy of you know going to – do PT every day with the unit and fucking low left, right or left, you know, singing cadence while you're, um, you know, doing all that. At least for me, when I played football at MHG and even supply um, in the mornings, they would allow me to go do practice versus, you know, do that stuff. So it was kind of cool in some, you know, some ways in some senses it wasn't because at least with uh, PT, you're doing it only like three days a week. With football, it was five days a week, and then there was games and stuff like that. So, um, but I'm going to say that was probably my funnest part about being in the Marine Corps is getting to be on the football team. I had so much fun, met some really cool guys, some great ball players, um, you know, and there's even guys that even went to the NFL from, you know, being in the Marine Corps, believe it or not. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Up until, again, you know, here we go, 2003 hits, um, and now it gets serious again. And it wasn't around, it was probably, I would say, the late 2002 when shit just ceased to uh, happen again. You know, we we started getting more serious because um, Iraq started popping off. And, you know, with all his bullshit, Saddam Hussein, whatever. Um, So... Now it's time for us to, once again, we stop doing all the extra activities. Things start getting into, uh, hey, we got to fucking deploy. And this time it's way more serious because now we're getting guys that are starting to get orders. In you know, the late 2002, they needed advanced parties to go over to um, Kuwait and stuff like that to go set up uh, these camps for everybody else when they came over. Um so they were starting, I want to say around October, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. They started sending some of the Marines over there, and it was like, oh, shit, this shit's for real. And especially because it was guys from my unit that were getting called to go over there and do, you know, be an early party. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And then lo and behold, I would end up getting orders, um, I would say late December, maybe early January for me to go ahead and, deploy around January uh, January 15th 2003 so anyways I'm going to go ahead and stop it right here um, it's probably a great point in the show to stop so that way we can the next show we uh, start episode 14 it will be about me deploying over to the Middle East and my experiences over there in 2003 I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far and like I said I'm very new to this, so please bear with me. I know things aren't uh, probably crisp and clean as they should be. I will get us there as soon as I can learn. And um, 
like I said, this is a great thing for you guys to watch. I mean, you guys can watch me grow and get me better. And maybe this will inspire you to go ahead and do something similar. Maybe you're thinking about doing a podcast show or maybe you're just thinking about doing something in general. Maybe this will say, hey, hey, if this fool can do it, I can do it. And that's the mentality. Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. But anyways, guys, thank you guys so much for listening to Every Day is a Saturday with me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Guys, there's going to be a lot of great things coming. I hope you guys stick with me and enjoy it all. Thank you guys once again so much. Roof out.